This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 617 with Uzma Jaffrey and Zeba Hassan. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 617. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Uzma Jaffrey grew up in Houston, the daughter of Muslim immigrants from Pakistan and India. This turned out to be a good preparation for confronting people's misconceptions about both Muslims and Texans. Coming from a traditional Muslim family and being unapologetically Muslim while still identifying with American culture made Uzma hyper aware of the dangers that arise when people conflate culture and religion. Today, Uzma is a physician running her own practice in Phoenix, medical director of an assisted living and hospice agency, and clinical faculty to future physicians. She's also a certified speaker for the Islamic Speakers Bureau of Arizona and volunteers with multiple organizations to support refugees. However, she considers this to be all a sideline to her real full-time occupation, shuttling her four kids to soccer, ballet, or any other activities she and her husband can think of to wear them out. Zeba Hassan is an American Muslim who grew up biracial and bicultural. Born and raised in Chicago, Zeba's Irish, Pakistani heritage and interfaith upbringing gave her a head start on navigating between identities. It's therefore no surprise that she is frequently invited to speak at interfaith events since her background makes her a natural at bridging gaps between Muslim and non-Muslims in the United States. 
A degree in political science and communication further shaped Zeba's outlook on issues like race, immigration, and nationalism, as well as her parenting philosophy, which is geared toward raising compassionate, responsible global citizens. When she isn't busy with podcasting, public speaking, fostering interfaith community, or working on her master's in divinity and spirituality, faith, interfaith certification, and parent coaching certification, Zeba can be found on the basketball court or baseball field with her husband and their four children. Oh my goodness. These are two of the most accomplished women I've ever had on the show. <laughs> I'm obsessed with these bios. And also I feel like I have not done enough with my life. So I recently met Uzma at a conference and I immediately knew I wanted her to come on the show. And I was so delighted when she said yes to my invitation and then extended that invitation to her co-host Zeba to join us as well. Uzma and Zeba were so generous in sharing themselves and their stories. This is a critically important conversation for those who want to be true allies to our Muslim friends, neighbors, and community members. Listen in to hear Uzma and Zeba share the story of how two Muslim women who grew up together, hadn't been in the same room together in over 20 years, decided to launch a podcast together. How Zeba's son being stopped at the airport as a 14-year-old Muslim boy inspired their show, their podcast, Mommying While Muslim. How creating a community and resource for Muslim moms ended up attracting a lot of white women and moms and evangelical men. And the value of creating a space where listeners feel like they can be a fly on the wall while two Muslim moms just hang out and chat. They also talk about the significance of being in the last pre-9-11 generation of Muslims in America. They share their racial and political profiling that happens and continues to happen in the U.S. They talk about the racial and religious profiling that happened and continues to happen post 9-11. They share what growing up in the shadows of the towers, as Zeta's son so powerfully put it, has meant for their children. They talk about how they take the heat from their haters on their show, why they've been so thoughtful and intentional around creating a space for stories that are underrepresented across race and culture, and how we expand our capacity to connect as humans when we listen in on the stories of people who are unlike us. With all that said, I'm so excited and honored to welcome Uzma and Zeba to the Shameless Mom Academy. Uzma and Zeba, oh my gosh, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have two of you here. This is like such Yay. a treat. I know <laughs> it's like a total us. bonus because I was like, am I coming? Am I not coming? And quite frankly, we're all here. So that makes we're sense. We're all here. It's meant to be. We're all it's here. To be. And we get to like, we'll give people behind the scenes. I didn't know how many people were coming to this conversation. So, <laughs> so we are making it up as we go, which yes. most people don't know, but I don't usually do that, but I know Ooh. I can do that. So yes. it's going to be, who knows what might happen. Yeah. Yes. But, but you know what? You're doing a good job because you're rolling with it and you're going with it. And that's what moms do. Mm -hmm. when, this is exactly why I know I can do it because like, this yes. is all I do all day long, every day. Exactly. As a mom. Okay. So what I always start with, and I want to hear from both of you is Tell us a little bit about yourself beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. So we are recording this in December. It will go live a little after that, but what are you most excited about right now in this season of life? All right, I'll go first. This is Ozma. And in this season of life, I am just now stepping into teenage territory, like official teenage territory oh. where I am shorter than a child and I am <laughs> dealing with men voice and men hormones and Zeba always promised me that it would be so much fun <laughs> and I follow some of my favorite podcasters and bloggers have also promised that this is the fun time <laughs> and I'm like I think I agree I think yeah. I agree yeah oh, so I'm looking that. very forward to that and because it's December just family vacation we're going back to Hawaii at the end of the month which is exciting the last time I went I was six months pregnant 
with the toddler. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hopefully it'll be more relaxing. (laughs) Yes. And Zayba, what about you? What are you excited about right now? So I'm actually in this um, crazy phase of my life, whereas my oldest is applying for colleges and he is about to hear from ED, which is early decision in the next couple of weeks. So I'm dealing with that and I'm dealing with the start of my second chapter business because I'm a serial entrepreneur and we are literally launching January 12th, 112 22 because I'm big in like numerology and all that fun stuff. And so I am just doing all of that fun background stuff before my launch. And, you know, I'm really super excited about it. Oh my goodness. I love how one of you is like, yay, teenagers. And the other one's like, yay, business. Exactly. I'm like, I'm ready to move on. No. And I love the two. She's right. The teenage phase is amazing because they become people and they become people very different than you would expect from them. Right. But the beauty is you get to watch them in front of your eyes, become the person that they're supposed to be. And you get to help. If you have a good enough relationship, good to help guide them on that. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to her going into this chapter of her life. There'll be lots of sleepless nights, tears, you know, head banging against the wall. All that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Great. But, so I have a nine-year-old. So now thank you for that warning. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> Enjoy. I mean, my eight-year-old, I have my youngest, my oldest is 18. My youngest is eight. And I'm so blessed that I did it that way because as I'm dealing with the angst of everything that's surrounding about going into his own adulthood, my eight-year-old will still cuddle with me, put his head Mm -hmm. in my neck and he still smells good because as they get older, (laughs) they smell less good. Less good. (laughs) So there's just no other way to describe it. So he still smells super yummy, delicious, and I'm still getting that hugs and cuddles. So I feel like I have the best of both worlds. I love it. Okay. You have to tell us both about your family makeups because I have one and one is a lot and you have (laughs) 1 million more than me. So so, who wants to go first and tell me about all the children in your lives? I'll have Zeba go first on this one. So I have four, my oldest is 18 and he's a boy. My only girl is going to be 16 next month in January. And then I have a newly turned 11 year old and an eight year old. So what we joke in our family is I was done at two. My husband begged me for three. And so our compromise was four because we waited (laughs) so long in between our, we call them our two sets. Yeah. And by the time like I got around to it. My husband's like, are you sure we're done? And I'm like, I'm done. I don't know about you. And he's like, well, I'm not done. And that was our compromise. And I have to say, I'm so blessed that we did it that way. Even though at the time I wasn't too thrilled about it, to be honest with you, because I was just starting to move back into my own life and I was excited. And I was like, and, but you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. And now that they're all grown, even though I just heard a crash downstairs and I'm just (laughs) like, okay, (laughs) it's the best thing we've ever, like, I wish I had two to three more, to be honest with you. Oh my gosh. I know multiple people who have done the two and then like a break and then two more for that reason where you're like, well, we can't have like the one be all alone. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I didn't want him to be alone. And then Isma, what about you? So like Zeba, I also have four. I also have three boys and a girl. So they are 13, 12, 10, and six. 
two boys, then the girl, and then another boy. And I also have that yummy, delicious one who, when the other three are yelling at me and, you know, stomping off because I'm such a terrible mother who doesn't give them everything they want, the little guy will come and (laughs) hug me and say, I still love you, mama, which is so nice. I love Um, it. But yeah, I was totally wanting to have like five kids minimum when I first started my motherhood journey. And then I had one and I was like, I never want to have another child. Like, I don't want my love diluted. I, this person is my whole world. How can anybody leave someone like this for even a second or not look at them for even a second? And then it turns out like you just love each one that comes. Plus I didn't figure out birth control. So yeah, that happens. That happens too. And then there's that. <laughs> Do you both come from big families? I don't recall in my, in my binging of your show recently. I don't recall this. So I'm one of four. I'm the oldest okay. of four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the oldest of three. So not necessarily, okay. but okay. you know, we both have very involved, huge extended families that yes. we've grown up with. So, you know, in that sense, yeah, I think the Joffrey clan is huge and a big part of the reason why I always thought I wanted a big family as well. Okay. Oh my goodness. And then you have to share what brought you together. So what brought you together? And I actually, I, you two are cringing when I said, I went back and listened to the first episode. I know. Of your so embarrassing. So you've had your podcast for a couple of years since 2019. I think it was 2019, our official launch. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I went back and listened to your first episode and nobody ever wants anyone to go any, no <laughs> podcaster wants people to go listen to their first Please episode, <laughs> but I was like, I want to like do a deep dive. <laughs> And so, but I was totally blown away. One of the first things you said was that we have known each other forever, but we haven't been in the same room in 20 years, but we're going to start a podcast together. And I was like, what? Like, how does that even work? (laughs) Like this person I've not been in the same room for 20 years is close enough to me that I would like to host a podcast with them. So tell people about how you know each other. And then I would love to know from there, what prompted mommy and well Muslim. I'll let Ozma take the first part of that story. So we are generational friends. Our dads were roommates when they immigrated to this country in Chicago. And whether it was to save money or to save sanity, they, these four or five guys like kind of lived together, ate together, did everything together and ended up getting married at the same time and having babies at the same time. So Zeba and I are that generation of babies. Our dads are still friends. They have been friends for the last 40 plus years. And as a result, you know, we always knew of each other and then finally met each other in person when we were 14 and it's just been a lifelong friendship yes you know when you meet as stupid teenagers you act like stupid teenagers but at the end of the day you got a sister so yeah totally that's exactly right and and actually I think at one point my dad sent me to their house (laughs) to talk me out of being with my current husband that I've been with for like 24 some years. And it was supposed to be Osma's job to be like, my assignment to break them up. It was like, oh my gosh, not a good idea. But then instead of doing that, she was like, oh my God, he's amazing. And you need to be with him for the rest of your life. And I was like, I know. And the rest was history. So, you know, she was definitely tasked with that, but how mommy while Muslim happened was, you know, and this is kind of like our origin story in general, my 14 year old son at the time was, we were in an airport in Chicago coming back from seeing our extended family and he was wearing a Northwestern shirt. And of course he doesn't have ID. He's 14 years old and I never thought to have ID for him. And he, you know, I always travel alone. So he was in the front of the line. I'm in the caboose, you know, cause I had the stroller. I had all of that. And then I was like, what's going on? Like it's taking him so long. And I can see him like being animated, all that make a long story short. We ended up being questioned and pulled aside by security because they wouldn't believe that he was only 14 and he didn't have an ID. 
And they, you know, we were considered suspect. And it was the first time as a quote unquote white passing Muslim that I'd ever experienced this direct aggression or micro, it's not even a microaggression, aggression against you know, my last name, which is a very visible Muslim last name. And, you know, in trying to explain to him what had just happened, because he was very, you know, shaken by this, it was his first experience outside of the bubble of our safety of our home. And the person that I thought to call was Uzma. Uzma at that time and still is, is a speaker of Islam. And I was like, you know, do you know any resources? I, I can look up to like, talk to him about it. And our quest and our journey in looking up that information for specifically for native born American Muslim children, we realized there wasn't anything and there wasn't that support. And, you know, we're both, I say I'm a B plus type B plus. She's definitely a type A. If it's not there, you create it. And I just said, what would you think about creating a podcast and talking about these issues in a quest to answer them for ourselves and share those resources with other people? And then oh Uzma goodness. said a couple of different podcast? things. She was like, what is a podcast? And I was what like, the hell sure, about? I'll take any ride you tell me to get on. I'll get on the coaster, but what is it? You know, you want like, to what is it? What's going on? And that kind yeah. of was kind of how, you know, we went into it. And honestly, we're so blessed and so lucky that we're striking a chord in a lot of these people and we're not afraid and to talk about very frank issues that even within our community, they don't want to talk about. So I feel like we definitely are providing a service for people. Oh my gosh, you are. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I was so I met Ozma at a, an event. So we got to meet in person. Maybe, I hope we get to meet in person again before I 20 years from now. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> and we, so we met in person. If I recall, you said that you created the podcast as a place and resource for Muslim moms, but then you learned that it was <laughs> a lot of white moms listening. Yes. A and, lot of white moms and evangelical dads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, Talk about that, because this is fascinating to me. I'm sure I will have follow-up questions, but I'll let you start with that. Um, So we, you know, 60%, right? Like over 60%. Yeah. It was more than that before when we started out. Yeah, exactly. But it's like in looking at your analytics and looking at who's reviewing, who's contacting you, who's giving you feedback. It was all coming from non-Muslim sources, which we were, you know, really honored, but super surprised. We created this thing. Our avatar was the, you know, 25 to 40 year old Muslim American mother, but we're getting all these international people, also not Muslim (laughs) from primarily English speaking countries and a very, like a smattering of international Muslims, Mm -hmm. not even American Muslims. Our demographic that we created this podcast for wasn't coming, but the people that were coming were showing so much interest that we really had to sit down and, you know, figure out, hey, was our intention wrong? Like, are we doing this wrong? What's going on? So interesting. And I will say, for me, there's so much curiosity and wanting to learn about other cultures. And when you get to hear two girlfriends talk about culture and talk about their culture, the culture you were raised in and still are in, it's like you get to sit and have coffee with friends and it's, there's this really intimate. And I mean, that's the beauty of podcasting is it is so intimate to have someone like in your ear and hear from them. But when it's two friends versus if it was just one of you, it really gives you this clear picture into someone's life. And then also into, I think this extensive culture beyond that, because you just in the banter between the two of you, there's so many references and where I'm like, hold on, I need to know more about that. Like I'm Googling things. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this huge gift. And also like a gift that was not created for me. And that also like, you do not owe me or evangelical men for that matter. <laughs> exactly. We love them. I mean, Zeba is the one who just like on the tail of what you just said, Zeba is the one who was like, well, I think people just like, do you want to finish 
No, I just think people want to be like a fly on the wall and listen to what we're saying. As you said, I love listening to other podcasts and doing those types of things to be like, oh, this is what it would be like. And, you know, perhaps you've never met another Muslim person or whatever. And then you are given an opportunity. And that was kind of our hopes was like, you know, we're just at a kitchen table hopefully having chai or coffee or for me right now, water. And we're just chit-chatting about the day's events and, you know, or some political event that's happening. And and like, how does it apply to us? And how does it apply to our children? So I do believe that at least that's what we're gleaning based on what people have spoken to us about. That is the appeal of what we're doing and what we're bringing to the table. I love it. Can you both talk a little bit about identity? So in reading your bios, there's a lot of layers. I mean, like, and I'm saying that like in the most like impressive, flattering way. I was like, these women have a lot going on and you both show up. I mean, as like any person does, but I think that when we look at how it's easy for us to get, like, I could easily be like, and there's like the middle-class white mom over there. Yeah, It could be like, there's the Muslim moms in their podcast over there. Like we can be putting these little boxes without recognizing like, oh my gosh, there's so many other identities that we carry mm-hmm. on any given day. And I loved reading through your bios and hearing all of the identities that you carry. And I was so blown away. So can you both speak to the identities that you bring forward into the world and that you enjoy sharing with the world most? So... I always say I'm unapologetically a mother. That's my number one identity because it really was my rebirth in some level. And, you know, for me, I actually said this to my son the other day when he was driving me nuts. I was like, you're lucky you saved my life because you've caused me so much heartache (laughs) since then (laughs) that I always have to go back to that. Like when I, when he was born, it gave me the first time in my life, a purpose that was bigger than myself, that bigger than just, this is what's defining me, your career, your this, this is where I go to school, you know, our letters behind our name. And so I'm a by racial Muslim, American Muslim. My mother was of Irish descent from Southside Chicago, like she says. And she thought my dad was the cutest Mexican guy she'd never met, but he wasn't Mexican. He was from (laughs) Pakistan and she'd never really heard about any of that before. You know, so I really grew up with this typical Irish Catholic family on my mom's side, spending summers and stuff with their, you know, singing in choir, you know, doing all those things with them, but really being strong in my Muslim identity and my Muslim faith, which always gave me this love of learning about different religions, because I was, like you said, blown away by how much commonality that we have as a culture. And, you know, when you would see all these religious wars and this and that, I'm like, that's so weird. It was, it never sat right with me because I always felt we have so much more in common than we have differences. So that kind of got me interested um, in pursuing my master's in divinity. And what I focus a lot is on spirituality and spiritual growth. I happen to be a parent coach as well, because like I said, I loved every facet other than that first six weeks. Okay. Nobody likes that. (laughs) And I just decided there wasn't a PhD in motherhood. So I was just going to create one. So Mm -hmm. I went out and started learning and started growing because we do not value the strength of motherhood, because you can't quantify it necessarily in a dollar amount. And what I want to do is to break that stigma and for people to be like, I'm a mom and own it. And because I'm a mom, I do X and Y and Z. So 
you know, when they always say if there's, it's nothing, if it's not there, build it. That's what I'm building. Um, my hopes is to build this other pet facet of a community, which, you know, I feel like Osman and I have done an amazing job with momming while Muslim and trying to create a community for American Muslim mothers and to find allies like yourself that will help bridge this gap. And that's kind of my goal and my love. My love is that interfaith work and I'm on the interfaith council here in the DMV area. And I just, you know, want to keep trying to bridge, um, build those bridges between the faiths. I love all that so much. Thank you. Isma, go ahead. Yeah. So the identities that I always post forward growing up was I'm a Muslim, Pakistani, who's going to be a doctor. So it was very much tied. She always into, knew. Always. Like oh, from always. birth, just, I was trained to do this. I was put on this path and then eventually took it on myself. But, you know, it's very much, the culture is very much, you are what you do. Mm. And, you know, that's great. But the culture also says you must also pursue motherhood. And that's great back in the home countries because you can parcel out your housekeeping and your cooking mm-hmm. and everything and your laundry. Like all you have to do is work and then, you know, spend time with your family. But in America, we, we're on our own. Like we don't have mm-hmm. servants and butlers and all of that. That just doesn't, that doesn't exist. So to have the children here, especially in this mixed culture where East and West are sometimes mingling, sometimes clashing, it was, I want to be a mother very much because that's what we do back home, but I can justify wanting to be a mother by pursuing you know, my doctorate by being a physician and going and, you know, ruling the world. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a mom, but don't worry. I'm going to do something significant Mm -hmm. on top of that. Like motherhood was not enough. And I remember being a 14 year old jerk to my mom who was a stay at home mom and screaming at her at the table. Like, I'm not going to waste my life. Like you did just being a mom, which are the, those are like the words that hurt me the most when people are like, Oh, I'm just a mom. When a mom Mm -hmm. says, I'm just a mom, like, I just want to sit down and bawl my eyes out because I'm like, I was the jerk that made somebody feel like that. Because as soon as I held my son, I was like, oh my God, I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be anything else, like nothing else. Yes, my Islam was still important to me. I still believed I was Pakistani, even though I was born in this country. Zeba and I were both born in Chicago, but I was taught that I was not American. It was not okay to be American because Americans have boyfriends and they do drugs and they have no culture or religion. And they wear miniskirts. And they wear miniskirts. Oh my God, the miniskirts. Yeah. Were you both raised with that similar ideology? Our dads are twins. Our dads are twins, <laughs> but I had the benefit of my mom, yes. obviously, okay. you know, not being from that culture and honestly not understanding or having any experience with a culture yeah. that other than her own, not that she fought for a different identity, but she definitely was unapologetically American. Um, She was very proud of being American. And she did instill, actually, I still remember going to Pakistan with my dad's family and she would be there and they'd say something bad about America. And my mom would like go off on them. And, you know, they would always be afraid of like, you know, insulting that white lady in the corner. (laughs) But my mom is a very big believer in Islam, right? So, and she always taught us you don't have to be one or the other, like Mm -hmm. you can be both. So I feel like we were definitely more comfortable in our American Muslim or Muslim American identity than perhaps Uzma's family was. Yeah. I was 35 when I figured out that I was a Muslim American. So I had three kids under my belt at that point when a British Muslim American was like, you were born here. You're American. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not American. I'm not American. At this point, I've had the sex. I have the kids to prove it. Like I've never done the drugs. I've never done the alcohol because I didn't want to. I have access to all the drugs I want to because I can prescribe them to myself if I want, but never did, you know? So why am I still fighting it? So I sat with that discomfort for a while before I realized, 
oh my gosh, I'm Muslim American. So I really haven't been saying it. I've been saying it for less than 10 years now, even though I was raising my kids as, well, you are now Muslim American Mm -hmm. because y'all are, you know, second generation. So it was just so interesting. One of the things that you talked about in your first episode, which I I sound like I got to go back and listen to this. I know. I was like, we should do a recap. I'm scared to go listen to mine. Someone told me recently they listened to mine and I was like, oh my God, like I have no idea what I talked about. I don't want to know. Exactly. But it was it was an excellent first episode. And one of the things Thank that you, you talked about, Isma, you talked about in school, really leading with your Muslim culture and religion and background and like really being like proudly covered at school and showing up as like, this is who I am. And which is, I went to Catholic schools. So we didn't have a lot of any yeah. Muslim kids in our Yeah, school. I'm sure. But my experience in throughout growing up was that there weren't a lot of kids who were leading with their culture or religion, mm-hmm. no matter what it was. And if anything, it was a little bit, there was some timidness around it for kids who came from families that where they may have stood out in terms of race, mm-hmm. culture, religion, et cetera. So that was really fascinating to me that you were like, I want to shine brighter in this mm-hmm. rather than hiding or blending in at all, which I was like super impressed by. Oh, thanks. I don't think it's a matter of being impressed. I think I just like attention. I was <laughs> <my> whole life. <laughs> you know? Everybody else is like, don't look at me. And I'm like, no, no, look at me. Look, look at, at me. me. Right <laughs> over here. Right over here. Why aren't you looking at me right now? Yes. I'm fabulous. <laughs> so. so funny. So funny. I love it. I was talking to my therapist the other day about recognition and affirmation. I was like, I think I need more affirmation than the average person. <laughs> She was, was like, like no. I promise you, everyone needs a lot. And I was like, no, I th- really think I might need more of those. <laughs> I relate. That's why I relate. <laughs> so funny. So one of the things I wanted to touch on that you mentioned that you talk about in the podcast and refer to from time to time is being the, I'm not going to say this right. So I want to, I have it in my notes, the last pre 9-11 generation of Muslims in America. Yeah. Correct me if I put the words in the wrong order, but there's significance to that. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that means to you? Like what it meant in the time of 9-11, you know, in 20 years ago, and then also what that means today? I mean, we were both adults. Zeba <laughs> was, you were done with college, right? Yeah. I was doing I some just, post-grad work. Yeah, yeah. I just finished. Yeah. I was doing some post-grad trying to get into medical school at the time. So it was this huge cultural shift. And I know Muslims and non-Muslims felt it. We all mm-hmm. knew that that was going to happen. And I think that day, it was the Muslims who knew that it was going to last for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we knew that the extent to what's going to happen. So it's like everybody's just discovering about the FBI surveillance on Muslim Americans that has been going on legally for the last 20 years. But it's like, well, wow. we knew that even mm-hmm. before 9-11, but definitely, you know, when I was in college, I know my phone was being tapped. I know where we were being followed by the FBI vans because mm-hmm. we were, you know, involved in our Muslim Student Association. We went to protests and we went to rallies and the FBI kept a close watch on the Muslim student leaders. And that was just a matter of fact. But then after 9-11 happened, you know, we knew that once we graduated, it would, st- or we anticipated mm-hmm. it would stop, but 9-11 happened and it did not, mm-hmm. you know? And so things like for the first time, we started seeing people contesting the building of houses of worship for Muslims, cemeteries. So you can't pray worship and you can't die either. You can't <laughs> be buried either. So you can't live and you can't die. And then the, the blatant racial profiling that happened. So flying while Muslim was a phenomenon that occurred after 9-11. And I think as that minority community who was primarily targeted after that, we knew what was coming. 
And, you know, the cultural shift was just huge because, you know, yeah, I think you're saying that there was some timidity involved around, you know, discussing culture and religion and politics back in the 80s and 90s when we were Mm -hmm. growing up, but religion was still respected. You know, it was like, oh, if they see you praying, they're going to watch out for you, whether they're, you know, they share your faith or not. But then religion became super suspect, especially if it was Islam post 9-11. And that was something that I know that a lot of us have noted. I mean, honestly, just because I do have the older children, you know, like I think we got pregnant shortly after 9-11 and, and then I'll share this story because my son did use this anecdote. And I remember picking it out of the, I was telling Uzma, like I showed it to her. I'm like, I'm crying right now. Cause he was, he's been very closed lipped about his applications and his this and that. And let me tell you, we are definitely in a very privileged environment. Okay. And, you know, he's like captain of the basketball team. He's one of those kids. So like, like he's very much, at least my thought process was he was very much, you know, accepted where like the people that people come to, if they need help, blah, blah, blah. So I pick up this sheet of paper and I think the phrase was, I grew up in the shadow. I still, I'm about to cry thinking about this. Like I grew up in the shadow of the fallen towers mm. and their entire identity as Muslim American, American Muslims, like we had the luxury of like you said, blending in or whatever the case may be, but our kids with very identifiably Muslim names, like Hassan is a very Muslim last name. They didn't have that luxury and they're being put in a box or put or stereotyped in a way for an event that happened before they were born. So, you know, that as a mom hurts me more than if somebody was doing something to me directly. And so the fact that he even he, as somebody who's the captain of the basketball team, like the liaison between student council, like teachers love him. If you're feeling that, what does somebody who doesn't have that feel like, or isn't a self-advocate or isn't somebody that can, you know, speak on his own own accord? Like what does somebody that doesn't have those things are experiencing? Like that for me was probably my most challenging thing post 9-11. And I know that a lot of people would say to that, to us, well, then, you know, hide your identities. Why do you have to be so open and blatant? And a lot of people did go into protection Mm -hmm. turtle mode and like, you know, women who wore hijab, a lot of them took it off. off. Arguably, they continue to do it now at probably higher rates. So I don't know about that. But the whole point is we shouldn't have to hide Mm -hmm. who we are or what we believe. So to tell us that we should have more American sounding names, or why don't you assimilate, or why don't you only speak English to your kids? Because we don't have to, Mm -hmm. you know, because we have the ability to do otherwise, you know? So why would assimilation, assimilation is not the goal. It -hmm. became the goal post 9-11, but we were before, you know, a culture of all different kinds of people and races. And that's what America was founded on. So the beauty of it, what the heck yeah. happened, you know, and it was 9-11 and the laws that subsequently came from that. I think one of the things that your show does so beautifully is it incorporates so many layers and then there's like this depth to it, but also a breadth to it on video right now. I'm like making my arms go big in all directions, <laughs> <laughs> depth and width to the work that you do in terms of creating space for your guests to show up and share these parts of their identity that go really deep and go really wide, mm-hmm. which really like release the shackles of that monolith that mm-hmm. to your point, like have been so present. Mm-hmm. I was listening. It's funny. Cause I was like scrolling through like your whole episode library. Like, what do I want to listen to before the interview? 
And the one that jumped out immediately was, and now I'm completely. It's probably a sex one. Is it a sex, sex one? Or a no, everybody loves those. No, I was like, is it a sex one? Cause it that's one of our top ones. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And now I'm going to go look for the, for uh, I do should. not listen to any sex ones. They're I will pr- go look for the juicy. sex ones. <laughs> February. Look no, February. Was, okay. I'm that's next on the list. No, it was, you interviewed a transgender woman whose name begins with an F. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Bro, yeah. And that was immediately, I thought, holy cow, I'm not sure I can think of like, that's a really vulnerable. Those are among the most, if not the most vulnerable identities that exist in our country. And we know for sure that black trans women are yes. like the most horrifically targeted people in the country. And I'm imagining Muslim trans women mm-hmm. are not far below that. Mm-hmm. So when I was looking through like, just who you have on the show and kind of the spaces that you create and the safe spaces that you create for stories and exposure of identity. I was blown away that that was a conversation that you were having. And I was, it sounds weird to say I was so excited to listen because excited yeah. by word. I was really curious and grateful that you would have that conversation, that you would host that conversation. And also that you would have a guest that was delighted to step into that conversation and really mm-hmm. share what that experience was like. And I think that that speaks to And you can look at a podcast and you can say like, oh, they talk about these really great things and there's great impact and blah, blah, blah. But when you can look at like, what's the most dangerous conversation we can Mm -hmm. have? Where's the person who's like the most vulnerable that is willing to come and share a part of themselves for the betterment of our community and break down stereotypes. I mean, it just speaks to your integrity as leaders when those are the kinds of conversations that you're having and what you're bringing to the table. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly, Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know, like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse. And so Active Skin Repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately. And I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect. So Vinny does not like ointmenty, creamy, lotiony things on his body, but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, 
a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I really and honestly, that. it, that's really sweet because that's really what why we're doing it, right? We're like, these are the people that don't normally get a mic. We're willing yeah. because we are in a privileged position to take the heat. And trust yeah. me, we took the heat for a yeah, lot. I, we still take the heat for a lot of these episodes. Can you talk a little bit about that, about <laughs> yeah. taking the heat? Yeah, yeah Oz- we were. Ozma can do it yeah. because I can't deal with some of the hatred that we get. <laughs> we um, were searching for about 18 months for queer Muslim moms of queer Muslim kids to come on and share their experiences. But naturally there's so much stigma associated Mm -hmm. with it that nobody felt safe enough. And to be honest, 18 months ago, we probably didn't have the street cred. Mm-hmm. to have those moms come on, even though we offered everything and then some from, you know, voice modification to no video, to no identity, an- anonymizing them, everything, but they didn't trust us. And then we went into the queer spaces looking for them and just cold calling, you know, mm-hmm. after we'd established ourselves and given some examples of what we do and what we wanted to do. And it turned out we didn't get moms of queer kids and that was okay because talking directly to those Two. kids or those adults who had yeah. grown up with yeah. this experience and learning from them was huge for us. And we knew that this would draw a lot of criticism from within the community because nobody wants to acknowledge that this exists, even though uh, the Indian subcontinent (laughs) where we're from, there's a huge population of transsexuals and there has been for generations. Like we've all met them whenever we take trips back home with our families. So it was so confusing to us that this population that is basically left you know, the dregs of uh, society, they're completely impoverished and ostracized and marginalized back there. Well, here they're actually living and some of them are thriving. Why wouldn't we want to show that this is possible? Mm -hmm. That you can, you don't have to agree with somebody's choices, but you must give them room to grow and breathe and prosper. They're not hurting you. Right. Like what's the problem? And so we did have a record number of followers (laughs) drop off like 3,000. Yeah, in 48 was, hours. Yeah. And we were like, wow, I wonder if Instagram noticed. And they probably did. You know? yeah, we didn't get, we were expecting an email. Like you have to close your account because this like, is bad. What did you do? And, but it was and, literally and I, just a picture of two hands. You can't identify, big. you know, the mm-hmm. genders based on hands. Right. And you're like queer Muslims. This is what we're talking about. It was like the drop-off started there. Wow. And then no. like people, and Ozma goes after the trolls. Like, yeah, the trolls came. And, and I, the I, I was buster. like, I'm like, ignore them. Mm-hmm. Who cares? We're not doing this for the follow. Or like, and honestly, I have to say from the very beginning, and this is why I love Ozma so much and why we're such a great partnership. We were both aligned in so many ways that we were like, we are more focused on content we don't care about the followers, the this, the that, the, the, the downloads. Obviously that has come, as she said, we developed street cred and people are like, wait a second, you actually know what you're talking about. And we do want to be on your show. And the biggest blessing for us of this particular series was that these women were so hard to get on. But then after talking to us, you could see them visibly like relaxing, mm-hmm. knowing that we weren't coming. We, we truly just want, and again, 
I'm one of those. I'm like, I, I can't tell you if it's halal, haram, whatever the case may be. But what I can say is you have a right to be here and I have a right and I have a duty to respect you and respect your opinion. And I feel like we, we now have lifelong friendships with yes. these women Then that to me, I don't care about the 3000 plus followers that love. It's like, have we created space for these women that they feel safe? And honestly, the fact that they even want to talk to us afterwards is just a bonus and the icing on the cake. And I mean, we do it because of the DMs that preceded the series. Yes. Like I'm queer. Am I going to go to hell? Exactly. I hate myself. I want to kill myself. And it's like, no, no, do son, it. daughter. No, don't do that. Like we're looking, you know, would your mom come on? Would your aunt come on? Somebody get us an adult. And then we, re- we realized, okay, we could just get, you know, older adults who were kids at one time and can talk to us. And then the DMs that came after, you know, even when we were announcing in our newsletter on our email list to people sending us messages and saying, we're so glad you're doing the series. We're not out yet, but we're so glad that you're drawing attention to it. I mean, that to us, that relationship building and that again, building of safe spaces is really important because we didn't grow up with that. You know, we had queer friends that could not come out Mm. of all religions really. Yeah. But, you know, times have changed and, you know, some people would argue of any faith, you know, people of some faiths would say it is a travesty that it's so accepted now. And I would argue it's not accepted. We're just willing to talk about it. And that's okay. Just having the room to talk about it. I feel less pressure. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can show up more for people. And I'm at an age where it's okay. Like, I don't care. What's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me which actually is a verse in our scripture. So Mm -hmm. it's like, just do you babe, you know? So I think I was actually talking to another parent about this the other day and we were talking, she was saying specifically that she said, you know, I'm so lucky that I've had the opportunity to become, to know a couple of people who are transgender Mm -hmm. and who've been really open to talking with me about that in the last couple of years. And I was saying the same. And we were kind of like saying, we feel like that has created the space for us to have this understanding that makes it so clear and easy to want to create safe places for everyone to exist, regardless mm-hmm. of their, where they fall in the gender spectrum or their sexual yeah. identity or race or whatever the thing is. But we also said like a few years ago, before we had connections or friendships with people who were different than us in that way, we were like, uh, I don't really know. And like, yeah, I certainly wasn't going to like go do something blatantly harmful or intentionally mm-hmm. harmful, but I also was like, skeptical and, but curious. And so there's like this whole, I don't even know if skeptical is the right word. I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I was like, what does that really mean? And in any case, I think when we get to hear people's stories, there's Mm -hmm. a whole huge contingency of the population who's like, and back to being like a fly on the wall. Yes. I don't know yet what I think about that. So I want to listen Mm -hmm. to this and then make a decision But in the absence of that conversation. You don't get to do that. Yeah. We make a whole bunch of stupid assumptions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you take that off the table. And another thing, which is something I want to say, it's not contagious. Mm -hmm. If you, you're friends with the transgender, guess what? you're not going to turn into transgender the next day, or you're not going to turn gay if you're not gay. You know, so like, that is what I don't understand. You should be so secure in yourself that opening it. So if I'm really good friends with a born again Christian, which I am, I mean, she literally was like, I love you, even if you're going to hell. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, honey, I don't feel the same way. But my point is, if you're not willing to put yourself in those types of environments, 
nobody is going to grow. Yeah. No one is going to be a better person. Cause guess what? I'm probably am the only Muslim person. And she probably is conflicted about why do I love you so much? Even though you're going to have like, you know, but guess what? I'm not going to turn that person away. I'm going to say, I'm going to keep being who I am because I, maybe I'm going to change your mind again. I'm not trying to convert you, but perhaps right. you're not going to hate somebody else. That's like me. Like that's exactly. all we're trying to do. And it is, I think, hopefully it's a modeling behavior that we're modeling that the onus is on us. If we don't know something, you have to go pursue it. You have yeah. to do the hard work mm-hmm. of chasing down the source, chasing down who you think is the other and be like, I need to figure out how you're not, Yeah, you know, not yeah. just saying, oh, I don't have any black friends. Go get yeah. some. Exactly. <laughs> That's not good enough. <laughs> like, they're not coming to you. You're not special enough. Yeah, like, you've exactly. got to go. You know, if right. we want to know about it, then the onus is on us to learn about it. And so that I think has been a really great gift to us mm-hmm. to go and, you know, get out of our comfort zones and get out of our, you know, little mom group circles mm-hmm. and find other types of moms that have so much to teach us and so much humility to instill in us still. One of the huge, a huge gift of the last couple of years for me in making new friends through podcasting has been having this like random string of new Mormon mom podcast yes, friends. Yes. Oh, I love that. I did not see coming. Like, and if yes. you would have said to me five years ago, like you're going to make some new Mormon mom friends, I would have been like, yeah, those That's are not my never going to happen. Moms are <laughs> awesome. They are. Well, and I have this conception being raised in Catholicism, which also there's a lot of misconceptions around that Yes, where I'm like, Oh, but they're like really conservative people from Utah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And they have multiple wives and sister wives, all all those things. Yes. Yes. So I have all these weird things about it. And then I meet these women who have podcasts who are in the mom podcast space who are Mormon and they're like super liberal and they're like fighting the church and trying to like bring LGBTQ (laughs) Mm -hmm. plus stuff light in the church. And I'm like, you are my people. Like, how, yeah. how, did, how I, did I miss you? And the same thing. And I could say the same thing about like not having much exposure to Mormon or to Muslim women as well. Yeah. And Muslim moms. And people could say this about me. Like I'm sending my kid to Catholic school. I mean, there's 1 million things we could say about awful things in Catholicism, yeah. which is why I'm constantly with this caveat of like, my kid goes to Catholic school, but don't worry. Like I'm not the bad kind of yeah. I don't leave them alone with anybody. Quite frankly, you (laughs) shouldn't, but you shouldn't feel that you have to qualify. Right. And that's ultimately where we are in a society. Like you should be allowed to be who you are without qualifications. Right. We don't want to be like we're Muslim, but the good kind. Yeah. That's all there is. And and that's where we are. Extremists are like less than 0.1%. Like, please, let's just say. And that's where evangelical men that you're apologetic. Exactly. We're unapologetically Muslim and we're good with that. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We just, there's such a spectrum and anywhere, Mm -hmm. anywhere, in any any box that we want to create, there's going to be this huge spectrum from left to right. That's going to be very broad. And there's going to be lots of room for people to be on one side or the other, and so much room for them to be in the middle. Exactly. And it's just with age time and the, you know, pursuing these relationships, that's how we grow. Like I had completely different views about queer Muslims growing up 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. certainly because I didn't know any better. And I, you know, even though, you know, one of my closest friends was queer and when she came out to me, I was like, yeah, you know, I still love you. I can't, you know, tell you that what you're doing is okay, but you know, I don't know what to tell you. 
And I mean, she really was crying out for help, but I was yeah. judgmental at the time and not helpful. And I see the error, you know, because here's the thing. If one of our kids comes out, we want a support system there for them within yeah. the community to support yeah, them. Totally. And God forbid that they're left alone in the wind. Like a lot of these guests of ours that had Were. come on that they experienced, we wouldn't want that kind of pain for our children. And we want love, maternal love, not to be conditional because in many ways in the Muslim community, it is conditional. Mm -hmm. Like you owe me. And that's not what Islam is based on. So we're Mm -hmm. trying to teach Muslim American moms. We can break that cycle. Yeah. So good. This time has gone so fast. I I want to spend like three more hours with you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I want to know before we wrap up, how has doing the podcast impacted your journey in motherhood? For me, it's I view it, and I've said this a couple of times on the show, it is a snapshot of who I am as a person because I'm normally behind the camera. Like we talked about it, I think before we even started recording, Yeah, that if something I'm leaving behind a legacy and I'm literally truly calling it that for my children, that they can get to know a different version of myself and how much I love them. I cherish them and that we're hopefully setting the path or creating a path for them. So when they're parents, it's that much easier. Um, and maybe we'll start a grandmind <laughs> because guess what? I'm all about that too. Yeah. I know. I'm always like, what's the next evolution of the shameless mom? Like, yeah. Grandmas. I know I'm going to be like the hottest grandma out there and like own it. And I'm going to be fine with that. Like I've already decided to, I'm Blanche. I'm probably <laughs> Rose. Okay. Like Rose. I'm totally Rose. I'm like, such I'm, a prude. I'm Dorothy, but like, I want to okay. be Blanche. Exactly. Oh, Dorothy's awesome though. Now we need a Sophia. That's we need I a know, Sophia. We, oh, we, we need, need an honorary Sophia. Sophia. I'll get my mom. She'll probably be that one. Listen, what about you? For me, the podcast has just brought on this tremendous new skill set, you know, because mm-hmm. you, the learning curve is so steep when you're yeah. first starting. Yeah. And it's like, you think like, okay, well, I already did hard things. I don't need to do hard things anymore. You you became a doctor. You've done that. Yeah, she's like, I've done that. For God's sake. I have nothing to prove. But now, and maybe it is a little bit of my A minus, I've got to do this really well. Yeah. And I'm really committed to producing really good content and getting really great guests, enlightening as many moms as we can to, you know, a world outside of, you know, early momhood, whatever that first three years looks like. There's light at the end of the tunnel. There's hope for you, but here's something else that you can put on your plate to think about or in the back burner for when you come out of the diaper phase. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's some work we got to get done and yeah. it's going to benefit our children. And so recruiting those mom sisters, recruiting those mom activists is really important to me as well as that, you know, personal development in learning hard things is something that we have to do the rest of our lives. It's not over, especially because yeah. we're moms. I mean, come on. I love it. So good. How are each of you showing up as a shameless mom? I mean, I feel like I'm shameless every single day. Like I just, <laughs> I mean, that's the truth of it. Like, and you know, I think it's funny because truly like if you are comfortable with who you're like the good, bad, the ugly, like I probably have goat poop on my pants right now. Cause I was at the farm and I, I love being the with farm those, today. I love the animals. Like the roosters were coming at me and like, I went there for a side check, but really I just got immersed in like the animals and me out in nature. And they're like, yeah, we need to go now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about that. You're an event person. 
So is well, that what so, you were at the farm for? So I do retreats. So I do okay. spiritual wellness retreats for mothers and mothers in various stages of their life. Um, Cause that's my niche and I love them so much. Okay. And we're doing a retreat in January. Um, and I wanted to get back to nature. Cause I feel like when you go back to the basics, you can kind of reset, regroup, refocus. And we're in a very type a area of the country. <laughs> and I feel like mom's would really benefit from yeah. letting go and getting connected. And so we're going to this well, like, cause I have an inspired wellness person and she wanted me to go and see this with her. And she was trying to show me the event space. And I was just so enamored with the animals and being the with the animals. And then I'm like, <laughs> shoot, I have to go to a Christmas carol. Like my, my Muslim kids are singing in this <laughs> Christmas carol. So I'm literally disgusting. And I, just show up. These moms are head to toe with their makeup on, with their Louis Vuitton purse. This, and I literally have goat dung on my pants, but I'm like, guess what? I showed up. I yeah. left what yep. I needed to be. I drove an hour to be here to watch my kids sing for a freaking minute. A minute. <laughs> for an event that you do not celebrate. Yes, for exactly. an event that I, I'm like, I spend a lot of money as a Muslim on Christmas and I don't even celebrate it. Like, why? <laughs> So yes, that's how oh I am gosh. shameless and I love it is it. what it is. So yeah. good. Thank you. Isn't I'm shameless you? on multiple levels because I've never had a filter and, you know, I love the things my body can do, yes, um, but like Zeba, I really love what it is capable of doing and what women are capable of doing and what we deserve. Pleasure is really fun for me, but also <laughs> shamelessly showing up as a mom and not feeling like I have to compete with the Joneses. We have a version of that in the Muslim the community cons, too. The cons. The cons. <laughs> and, you know, that's the Joneses for us. And I don't feel the need to have designer shoes and designer bags. I have the same Jansport backpack. I did in college. It's literally the same exact one. Literally and, the same one. You know, because that's where water bottles and backup shorts for anybody who has an accident to, Bomb you know, their homework, it just all fits in there and I can carry it for them. And I'm okay with that. And it is important to me to lead with when people ask me, oh, tell us about yourself or tell us what you do. I'm a mom. You know, I'm a mom, I'm a volunteer, I'm an advocate, I'm a podcaster. And in my free time, I am a physician who sees patients, you know? Mm. Oh my goodness. Love this so much. Where can people find you? So where can people listen to the podcast, connect with you two, all the good stuff. So the podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can ask Alexa, go to Amazon Music. We're everywhere that you already listen to, to fabulous podcasts. Like <laughs> but we're also at, if you don't have a podcast app that you love, you can always just land straight on our page, www.mommying. So it's Y-I-N-G, mommying is a verb, while mm-hmm. Muslim podcast.com or is it mommy while muslim.com i said that wrong didn't i have it mommy while muslim mommy while muslim, muslim. So m-o-m-m-y-i-n-g while muslim.com yeah. yeah and you can just hit the listen button right there yes i love it so we will have everything linked up in the show notes i have your instagram i believe it's your instagram at mommy and while muslim podcast is mm-hmm. that your instagram yes. yep so i have your instagram i have your website everything here people can just go to shamelessmom.com and then click on the episode with Uzma and Zeba. And then you can just click through and write into these resources. Oh my gosh. Thank, thank you so much for being fun. here. I have no, new friends thank you for now. having us. You I totally know. have new friends. <laughs> for life. Like we are now like, we become friends with everybody and we're like, Oh, did you talk to blah, 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 blah. Let's go try to see if we can meet Like it's so much. And then they'll fun. be like, wait, you're really coming. We're like, well, yeah, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, to come. we're just going to show we're up. Gonna show. Like that happened to somebody we interviewed. And I think you had dinner with his mom yeah, and their family. 
Really? And I was like, you, you really know, I was like, hey, I'm in town. Can we like have dinner? And, and we couldn't like, oh. figure out sync schedule. So then he was like, okay, well, how about having dinner with my parents? So I just took my whole family to his mom's <laughs> oh, house. We had dinner. <laughs> this is like, what, a month ago? <laughs> that's amazing that's so how we're shameless that's we our friendship up. yeah that's totally being a shameless <laughs> oh, like, I love it so dinner much. we don't have to cook heck yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well next time either of you are in seattle we're definitely hanging out oh yes, definitely yes. i'll also be stalking you love yeah seattle. please come on over to phoenix i'm not that far from you that's right that's right you mm-hmm. aren't yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you both so Thank much. And I so just much. really appreciate the work that you're putting out into the world. It means so much to so many communities. So for middle-class white women like me, but also for the women who you are parents and people who you are supporting by sharing stories and creating safe places for people to learn and explore their identities. It's such important work. Thanks, Thank Sarah. So thanks for, for the opportunity. Us. We really appreciate it. And thanks for going with the flow. You did a great job. Yeah, we, did what, thr- we, yeah. we did a good job. We did I'm a great just job. threw it in. I was like, sorry. What are we like podcasters I or something? Am, I mean, I'm an uninvited. I was like the unintended guest that just showed yeah, up at a like, dinner party. I'm not party. supposed to be there. I was like, yes, you are. You just didn't fill out your form. I was like, I didn't see a form. <laughs> I, I you. And she hates because I'm B. I'm a type B. So like, Uzma's like, gotta have it. And I'm ha- like, her inbox. Do you have the picture of your inbox? Had like oh 20,000 unread messages. Because uh, I just can't like keep up with. And I just told her, I was like, and she writes all these beautiful notes for us that I always go off script. It drives her insane. But I'm okay. like, guess what? I still love you. Oh. It's okay. So good. So good. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and 
I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 